Morning, team. Thank you very much indeed, Christo. Another rip-cracking programme, this time dragging out the people who think they've been to the afterlife. I nearly... And I'm sorry, if you wanted to go to sleep during one of the blokes' conversations, the, the reason that I didn't take any of it seriously is when he said he was on morphine. Now, morphine makes you hallucinate. And he said he was on huge morphine. And also, the other thing I've never heard of, when you're given the last rites, you only get the priest. You don't get a nun as well. So I don't know how much morphine he was on. It was crackpot radio. You've never heard any... The barmies were out in... Fo- oh, I sat on a white cloud. and it was. A- I feel like that now, actually. I've had an after-dinner experience. Sorry, after-life experience. News is next. On it. I didn't want to say it to you, but I had to say Oh, there you are. Hello. Morning. <laughs> no, I had to say it. it was the most boring call I'd ever heard in my entire life. And when he got carried away about, you know, the, he, he, he fell out of bed, apparently, and crawled to the doctor and hung onto his legs. And this is a man on morphine. And then I always thought, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here, but if you're given the last rites, you're in a coma. You're not, you're not able to sit up and go, hello. You know, it doesn't happen like that. Comas mean that, you know, or the last rites, you're very close to death. You're very cynical. He was obviously... uh, Well, I should imagine 99.9% of the audience will agree with me on that one. He was was ill. He was touched at the time. He certainly was touched. (laughs) There is is no doubt about it. Because most people who've had these sort of -of out-of-body experiences, you know, where they see a white light, it's it's technicolour. They don't see white. Uh, I think sometimes it depends how much they've had to drink and, uh, and what medication they're on and what state in their life they're at. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're old enough to, for it to have probably happened to a few Many, many times. times. <laughs> many times I've awoken to find a, a priest and a nun at the bottom of the bed <laughs> and my parents sitting on chairs. I've really I've enjoyed it. Well, I mean, honestly, it was so... Bo- I mean, also, it just kept going on and on. I, I, I thought trying. it was a book. I was trying. Oh, I was really trying to kind of move man. it along. But it's difficult. These, these experiences mean a lot to these people. You can't just say to them, well, anyway, Yes, well, why later. don't they go and talk to the priest about it? I mean, you did become, for a, for a small moment, either the Citizens Advice Bureau <laughs> or, or the Virgin Mary, listening to a confession. I mean, it was just unreal. And I worry about, and especially the woman who's the we and, and the Ouija. We were asking, so we knew it was his mother straight away because <laughs> the glass. Oh, for goodness sake! I mean, I I've ask got very you. Good text but people well. want to believe. I think the whole the whole idea about little green men, which you did the other day, and all these <laughs> things, they really want to believe. And I'm sorry, but Thought Park is built on a sand pit. It's a gravel pit. That's what it is. That's why they've already got the water there. There's no headless monks walking about. Apparently, they've been seen. Oh, what a load of old. No, I don't. I don't. I don't. Listen, I you can always find any old man to come out and go. And we've got spirit photos. They've never had a decent spirit photo yet. Ninety-nine percent of them are have faked. They, have they not seen your photo on the website? Absolutely. <laughs> That's a good spirit photo. Steve um, with a bottle of vodka. And I got a very good text saying, "Why? Why are ghosts always in Victorian dress? Why are they never in anything beyond?" Victorian? No, I mean you'd expect people died in the seventh man. A caveman yeah. to come back and be walking about with a big club. Go, woman, woman. <laughs> no, they never do that. Victorian. Always Victorian. And so many headless people, I find that quite... <laughs> and, and then a lot of monks. You know, a lot a of monks wandering monk. around. There's a headless monk. But how would you know it's a monk if it's headless? Because of the, uh, oh, the clothes. Because of the robes. Yes. Mm. And, and they're always tortured souls. But when you, when you get to the Ouija boards, you realise that you're entering Doolally territory. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really like things like that. No. Well, I mean, apart from that, it's banned by uh, so many people because it's just stupid. It's people pushing it. Mm. It's people pushing it. You know, and they go, oh, no, it's not. And then we were asking her questions. And you quite rightly said, well, what questions were you asking? Are you happy? <laughs> what a stupid, blooming question to ask a spirit. You wouldn't be asking, are you happy? You'd be going, what are you wearing? Yeah, where, you know. What's your name? When were you born? Yeah. Where are you from? Because if, if, if you work with the assumption all these people are around it, this place must be absolutely alive with, with spirits, because this was a house on this site, owned by a doctor. Was it? And they... Oh, did you not know? No. Oh, in the dead of night, 
in this little road here, when the gas lamps were flickering, they would bring the bodies. Oh, well. And the doctor would then be able to work his magic. Oh, oh yes, grave robbing was uh, was rife in Victorian times. That's why in the majority of cemeteries in London, and there's still a few around, there's one around Covent Garden, has got a little sentry box there. And the sentry was in the box to make sure that nobody grave robbed because doctors who lived in houses like this one here uh, would buy the bodies so they could do experiments and things like that. Oh. So they were very popular. Unfortunately, most people who worked in cemeteries in the little boxes were, in fact, corrupt. <laughs> I have to just say, though, that I always wondered how they kept you alive for so long. I know, I am. I'm not just embalmed. <laughs> You're here. I've you, been you brought remember. back. That was your childhood you've just described. I've been regressed. Because that's when you get people going, I've lived here before. No, you haven't. Don't be silly. Yeah, I got But they want to believe in it. Like that. Yeah, but, but, but then you'll always find people who won't want to believe. It's like if I say, there's something just materialised in the studio now. And you're going, I can't see it. And I go, I can't help it if you can't see it. <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it, that they never get a decent spirit photo and yet Derek Acora still manages to drag his tired show around the country, contacting the other side. One of my favourite moments in showbiz is, is when it? he gets possessed. Yes. <laughs> did you hear the one when he did it when he, was a, he became a dog? And he went, whoop, whoop. And everybody went, oh, for God's sake, grow up. That's why they, they had to take him off that thing. Because there were so many outtakes where he's going, do you think that sounded all right? <laughs> we're all going, oh, Give over, please. But he's having to go on tour again. Yeah. A bit like me, but I shan't be contacting the other side. <laughs> no. He's got to make a living, exactly, Jess. You're so right. She's yeah. so caring. Your show will be like <laughs> watching the other side. It will be like watching. You've never seen one of my shows. Oh, will do. Can't wait. Yeah. Did you buy buy the ticket, or is it... Um, I thought that you might like... Can you, can you also, before you um, before we actually get to the show at the moment, can you let us know some of the outfits you'll be wearing? We, we have a fairly rigorous dress code, and I really don't want you looking like that. Oh, really? Yeah, we, ha we expect people to dress up, I'm afraid. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, what will you Not just wearing? the old... Me? Yeah. Oh, have you not seen what I wear? Uh, is, it, is it quite sparkly? Oh, it's very sparkly. Oh, I should be wearing... Dinner jacket. Isn't it one of Joan Collins's reject outfits it's not from a reject 86? Outfit. She's about <laughs> half my size. Very kind, but no, no. Oh, yeah, very sparkly. And there will be a choice of colours. Oh, wow. So we expect you to turn up looking, you know, it's a smart event. Well, I always dress smartly. Look at me today. Right, that's why I mentioned it, you see, because <laughs> I thought, if that's your idea of typical Greek, if that's your idea of smart... <laughs> yeah. yeah, do you know, if, 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 yeah, just if we put a hat on, you'll look quite dapper. Oh, thank you. Put him in a bin bag, he'd look quite <laughs> dapper as well. I don't know which is more preferable. I mean, it, you can't wear that outfit. <laughs> this is my dad's jacket, this one. I'm not at all surprised. <laughs> There's two of you look identical. <laughs> Must look like bookends. How sweet, honestly. <laughs> no, it, 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 it is one of those things. But who did Top Gear took, took the mickey out of somebody else? Albanians. No, I think it was Mexicans. No, they've done the Mexicans, they did the Albanians. And the Albanian oh. ambassador laughed and said, I watched the programme, that's what they're like. The Mexicans, of course, get really upset. Mm. Just don't mention the fact we all sit in the sun drinking tequila. There you go, stereotyping. And all gypsies live in caravans, you know, and all radio presenters are bald and fat. Okay, well, that one's true. I think you'll find I'm neither. Yeah, right. Anyway, so just let us know a selection of outfits. Why? Because we want to know what you're wearing, because if you're going to be in front of the public. And we're going to bring you up on stage so you can do... do I'm going, coming up on stage. And do you, they all say that. Then you get caught up in the moment. 600 people go, yeah! You, of course you'll come up on stage. And then, and then we'll, we'll let you go into your act. You can do 15 minutes. Of what? Well, I don't know, whatever you do. Well, I, I think I might bring Petri. Really? Yeah. She won't be happy to come up on stage. Yeah, she won't. No, she, she won't. Really do. She'll hide. She'll she hide. really won't be. Anyway, sleep, sleep well. Thanks. Hope the bugs don't bite. Yeah. <laughs> Lollipops and pink ice cream. I'll be, I'll be pleased with the company. Like, I, I, no, seriously, I hope they do bite. 
most of the flesh off your body. <laughs> fit into something smaller. It's great to see you, though. I don't, no, I'm, I'm, I mean it in a caring way. Do you? Not really, no. Nice to see you. Bye. Well, so he'll be with us at the Mermaid Theatre, but we will be checking what he's wearing. I'm not having anybody turning up scruffy to this. All our do's, we've always had people who dress up and look very smart. So there's people I know there. In fact, there's quite a few people I know there, and people will be smart. Details on steveallenshow.com. I've said it's the 20... I forgot what it is now, 26th of this month. And seeing as we're up to now the 8th of February, it's creeping up a bit... So it's under three weeks. So go to steveallenshow.com and uh, then you can uh, find all the details at uh, the seven o'clock show. Seven o'clock show. Um, what was I going to do earlier on? Sorry? Yes, it was... Fi- oh, thank God you asked. Yes, it's been fixed. The website's been fixed. Um, and it is coming up to Valentine's Day. This is when there'll be certain presenters in this building who will get loads of cards and flowers and chocolate. And then there'll be other presenters. I don't want to mention any names. Who will not be getting anything at all. So as a charitable gesture... Go to the pound shop and just buy him a little something, a little card that just says, we're thinking of you, sitting on our cloud with our angel wings on and looking forward to contacting the other side. Uh, Because it means so much, Valentine's Day, to people who who really aren't romantic. I mean, I myself will be swamped with cards and it gets a bit tedious having to stagger. At the reception, there'll be acres of flowers and I'll have to walk and it'll just be embarrassing for everybody else going... Oh, is that Steve Allen's? Yes. What's he had delivered? Chocolates, cakes, flowers, cards. Usual sort of thing. And then they say, and who, who, who's that behind carrying things? That's Christo carrying more of Steve's stuff. You know, so if you could see your way clear to sending him a little, a little sort of keepsake for Valentine's Day, because I did have a look in Poundland yesterday. Didn't actually go in to the one in Twickenham, but I did walk past the entrance, and they've got a lot of cheap, tacky stuff. In fact, actually... They've even got more cheap, tacky stuff than I thought it was possible to have in a shop. But amazing what you can get for a pound now, isn't it? I mean, it is absolutely amazing. You can get some imitation roses. We could get imitation roses for him, couldn't we? Something like And chocolate. They've got boxes of chocolates for a pound. I think, really, it must be aimed at kids, mustn't it? Because they go and they've got a pound. And then there's so much choice, you don't know what to buy your mum for Valentine's Day. But it's not, it's not really meant for your mum or for the kids to buy stuff. It's meant for your mum to have an admirer. And your dad, hopefully, not to find out. (laughs) Makes it more interesting. Anyway, I told you it would kick off. I told you it would kick off. And that's the uh, the row between Jason Gardner and Karen. Oh, what do you do, darling? Barber. Unfortunately, when you actually analyse it, he didn't say anything wrong to her at all. In fact, strangely enough, uh, Jim Shelley, writing in one of the papers today, and it must be the uh, Mirror, mustn't it, um, is saying, look, he he didn't say anything. All, all he said was, uh, when, when she, in fact, I'll read actually the whole thing out, because it comes from the mirror, um, Jim, Jim Shelley has said here, it was the weak dancing on ice degenerated into the bad-tempered bickering found on Jeremy Kyle and was all the better for it. They're now saying, oh, he's going to be fired. Of course he's not going to be fired. They love this publicity. They absolutely can't get enough of it. The fact that the only person who was affected by it is Karen Barber, and he didn't say anything. I mean, all he said here was what he said, well, I'll read it out to you in a moment, about uh, Johnson, the Harry Johnson. And it really wasn't, it wasn't anything at all. She got on her high horse because quite clearly she's been demoted and she now sits on a chair and sticks her six penneth in every five minutes. Whereas, frankly, you don't need her. She's not employed on the panel. And, uh, and she went, she went really ballistic. And she, she turned into quite a nasty person. Whereas he was actually quite right. 
And we'll tell you exactly what he said, and we'll do it word for word in a moment. These are the headlines. The Foreign Secretary's written to US officials saying the current government maintains it was entirely wrong to release the Lockerbie bomber. William Hague has made the statement in a letter to the head of Senate Committee on Foreign Affairs. Meals with lots of fat, sugar and processed food could be affecting your child's intelligence. A team at Bristol University has found a bad diet at the age of three is directly associated with a lower IQ at eight and a half. And the Duchess of Cornwall's done little to quell rumours she could become Queen one day after remarking, you never know, during an official visit. She was asked a question by an eight-year-old during a visit to a children's centre. The official line is that she would become Princess Consort. Let's have a check on the roads for you this morning. It's Shay Louise. Thank you very much, Steve. Good morning and starting with some serious... Morning, everybody. 17 minutes past five. So, so here is what happened on the Dancing on Ice, if you missed it. Uh, Jason sits on the panel with Robin Cousins and Emma Bunton. Uh, he is a choreographer. He knows exactly what he's talking about. He's not, what he's doing, he's being honest. He never actually says anything I think that's offensive. Unfortunately, some people need to take a chill pill because if honesty hurts you, well, it's your own bloody fault. Nobody cares less. So what happened was, uh, this is when uh, Corporal Bihari died. And he said, quite nicely, he said, your performance left me feeling indifferent. And um, he said here, I'm looking at performance more than anything and your danceability. There's been a slight journey that you've gone on since week one, but, uh, but have you gone past that? He says, for me, I'm still not seeing enough. I'm very indifferent to your performance. Karen Barber then jumps in. You know, not really her, her place to jump in. And she says here, um, you're a nasty man for your degrading comments. That slight journey that he's been on, she gasped in disbelief. I mean, quite clearly, she's quite doolally, I'm afraid. He's been on an incredible journey from his first steps, and every week he's progressing. Bearing in mind, ladies and gentlemen, they've been doing this since October. They started dancing in October, and I'm afraid that uh, Lieutenant Lance Corporal Bihari is terrible. Absolutely. It's, so, October... November, December, Jan- He's been dancing for four months. Four months, and he's still at that low level. So anyway, she says, I think it's a massive achievement, not a slight improvement. But the trouble is, nobody's interested in what Karen Barber thinks. She's not paid to offer her opinion on people. It's up to the panel to do it. And he said... So, you know, Gardner's not going to sit there and listen to this. He says, firstly, Karen, if your opinion still mattered, you'd be on the panel. And secondly, I'm looking at the artistic composition of what he's doing. So she stands up and walks over. And she goes, what did you say? And I thought, well, you can't be that deaf, darling. We all heard it. And he says, you know, Jason, you really are so offensive. And I thought, no, he's telling you the truth. If you don't like it, Karen, why don't you go to another bloody show? They took you off the panel because nobody's interested. You're not as famous as he is. And that's what it comes down to. They're looking for somebody who's a bit acerbic. They're not looking for somebody like you who, let's face it, nobody quite knows what you're doing there. We know you're head coach. But I thought that was Torville and Dean. But as you're, as you're with Christopher Dean, perhaps they've kind of swung it in your favour. Anyway, she then says to him, you bring this panel so little, you really do. That was the best she could manage. And then she stood there with her mouth open like a goldfish. And I think he was he's paid to offer an opinion. If he didn't think that this man had been on a journey, that's what he's paid to say. I thought he was chronically awful. Not Jason, but the uh, Lance Corporal. He was absolutely dreadful. I've seen five-year-olds who are better. And unfortunately, because Karen didn't like it, she made herself look very silly. Jason probably couldn't give a forex. The producers are loving it. They're loving it. Because something like this gets them a bigger audience. 
And frankly, you know, I'd have been happier if he got up and sort of just said, listen, Karen, you're nobody. You're only here because you're going out with him over there, OK? You've magically got this title, head coach. Go away. Nobody cares. And so, so that was it. And they've now built it up, and apparently she then cried, because girlies cry at the end of it. So she's obviously... But I thought she was quite horrible to him. You know, you bring so little to this panel. He brings a dance light more to the panel than she does. A dance light, and that's why she's not on the panel anymore. But uh, will they fire him? No. I'd be very surprised. Very sur- Apparently thousands of people flooded Ofcom's switchboard, as if Ofcom are going to be interested. Ofcom will say, well, listen, you know, you have to put it in writing. And that's when half the audience get, oh, writing. Mm-hmm. OK, we'll leave it. Thank you. Apparently loads of people complain, 2,000 people. They'll be absolutely riveted over that one. They'll be really, really pleased. <laughs> really pleased. I love it. I love stuff like that on television. You know, and I love it when Philip Schofield goes, oh, we've added a new, a new um, element to Dancing on Ice. A punch-up. And it was so funny. It was the funniest thing ever. Uh, Jordan is at it in the paper again. Apparently, she has... Um, she was seeing lawyers as the row worsened. I mean, you know, they're both as stupid as each other, aren't they? I mean, they really are. She's apparently said, if you believe it, um, stop using our children for publicity. And I'm thinking, these are the children who've been on everybody's shows. They started on Katie's show. She uses them all the time. They're on every single show. Every, I don't think there's a show... About Katie Price, and God knows it's it's quite boring. Even more boring if she'd sort of woken up to find a priest and a nun at the bottom of the bed. But she uses them on every single... I don't think there's ever been a show where they've not been dragged out for something. They don't actually seem to do very much apart from sit there half wearing clothes and half not wearing clothes, while sort of mummy tends to sit on the settee in those dirty tracky bottoms, not actually doing anything either. So I don't know what's going on there. But apparently she has a new series... And uh, it's going to be on living. Although, to be honest, I mean, you've seen it all before. I mean, nothing can top my big fat gypsy wedding, can it? I mean, let's face it. I mean, that's real. Whereas you know that poor old Price is just fake from uh, from top to bottom. But they're both as bad as each other. Both as bad as each other. You know, both use the children in both their programmes. Both have to make sure they both give them holidays. Both have to, you know, I've taken them to do dolphins. I've taken them to cloisters. I've taken them to this. I've taken... It's just stupid. It's just stupid. I can't wait for the kids to be old enough to go, you exploited us at the age of three when we didn't have a choice in it. Oh, dear. Not so good. And apparently, it's now not going to be Cheryl Cole who's going to be going to America. They say it's going to be one of those, those that, that pussycat doll, that Nicole Scherzinger. Because Simon likes her. The Americans know who she is, and that always helps. They don't know who Cheryl Cole is. They're not interested in Cheryl Cole. And uh, it would be better, wouldn't it, if it was Nicole? Because she's, she did very well over here. She's very articulate. Very interesting. Um, I did read... That, now, where did I read? It was very interesting. Very, very interesting. Jason Gardner has a column in The Sun. And uh, they haven't axed him at all. But uh, he, he's talking about all the people on the show. He's Lord of the Rinks. So if the sun back him, Karen, go away. Uh, he says on Kerry Katona, uh, it's torture watching her. Oh, isn't it just dreadful? I was saying to a friend of mine the other day, the sad thing about poor Kerry Katona is she's supposedly an adult, but she behaves like a five-year-old petulant child. You know, we have the tears and everything else. And you think, how did you ever make it to adulthood? Uh, Johnson B. Harry says, I'm the artistic judge and I'm looking for flair. I don't judge his skating. That has improved, but his performance hasn't. 
He said he just doesn't have it in him. I'm not going to patronise him and say he's great when he isn't, which is absolutely right. What's the point of saying to say, oh, you're really good, when they turn out to be rubbish? Denise Wells, she said, I knew Denise had more in her. That's why I've been harder on Sunday. She turned a corner. She won't be the best in the show, but she's improving. Can't bear on loose women. You know, when we've had her on Dancing on Ice, don't put her on loose women. Uh, Comedy Dave, or just Dave as he's known, he says here the act's wearing a bit thin with his um, one joke, I'm Comedy Dave, just isn't funny anymore. But he never was funny, was he, Dave? He says he's a clown, a caricature of himself, and that's no way to progress. He said if the bloke who employs him didn't plug him, he'd be out. I mean, I find it quite embarrassing, this little middle-class thing that turns up on the television and calls himself comedy. It's not funny. You know, it'd be like Michael McIntyre. Now, he's funny. Comedy Dave is just a sidekick on somebody's radio programme. Not even the main turn. Very bad. Jeff Brazier. He looks peculiar. Every time I see Jeff Brazier, I think you just look very peculiar. Uh, Jennifer Metcalf, And, um... She'd actually gone as far as she could go, so they kicked her out. So hopefully you'll kick out Johnson Bihari. Couldn't care less what he's done, you know, to get his VC. We're not interested in that. We're interested in, in whether he can dance on the programme and add so And he can't. He really can't. He's just out of his depth. Absolutely out of his depth. Um, did you notice the other day that they're, they're doing comic relief again and they've got Ollie Murs doing something, going to sort out cataracts in Africa? And, and I thought, this must be something that the agencies with do because I've noticed that every winner of the X Factor, or somebody who's been signed up by them. They did it with Alexandra Burke. She found herself doing a bit of charity work. And they've done the same for Ollie Murs. He's doing charity work, because that's the way you keep him in the limelight. So people who sort of aren't doing anything at the moment, and he's not doing anything at the moment, they go, uh, right, you're doing charity. And he goes, oh, right, comic relief, OK? So he's, he's off doing that one, which is, which is quite good, I suppose, for him. But I always think it's, it's a sign that your career's kind of not moving anywhere, so that they're going to get you involved with with charity, because I'd have thought that they, they'd have done quite a few other people and put other people in there, but uh, they haven't. Um, there's a disabled crash victim here. He was left disabled after a road crash. Could be forced to sell his home after the judge ordered him to hand more than half his compensation payout to his ex-wife. Kevin Mansfield lost a leg and suffered serious injuries when he was hit by a car. He got half a million quid compensation in 98, five years before he met Catherine... The couple married in 2003 and have two children, but split up five years later. So he's, she's gone, want the money. Well, the judges said you've got to give it to her. So he was awarded it separately. It's a bit worrying, isn't it? And so they, they go to court over these sort of things now. Isn't it horrible? Isn't it horrible, horrible, horrible? Um, there's a, a bloke here, a former aide to the Queen Mother. He was carjacked and stripped naked at knife point by three robbers. He had a Land Rover. They drove him... Um, in his own Land Rover to a lock-up garage. They threatened him with a knife and they wanted his bank card, pins and the other two toured cash points taking out hundreds of pounds. Be wasting their time with me. I can't remember a pin number for love nor money. I stand there staring blankly into the distance. It never works, I'm afraid. And uh, they say here that he's, he's probably the victim of a gang who prey on wealthy people. He said, I was completely naked. He said, I think they got away with about 700 quid and all they kept saying was, I'm going to kill you. Not very nice people, are they? Not very nice people. But I love the woman. I love the woman who attacked the robbers, the six robbers who turn up and this lady starts hitting them with her handbag and um, they've, actually, they've actually got four of them. Isn't it fantastic? I wouldn't advocate having a go because you don't know what these people have got, but it was recorded by a cameraman filming nearby. It's on the LBC website, apparently. I haven't checked it out myself. And um, 
she actually knocked them down as they grabbed handfuls of watches. I mean, just absolutely unbelievable. So well done to her. I don't know where it was, though. Where was this? Oh, Northampton. And she obviously decided, wait a minute, little gangs on scooters, you're going to prison. And, of course, they will go to prison, which is fantastic. So, well done to her. All the papers are now saying, who is this woman? Do you know her? I mean, to be honest with you, I think she's an absolute have-a-go hero. LBC 97.3 Morning, everybody. I do love the story that we brought you yesterday about the Ryanair flight, which has got 100 students on, and they've all been... they're, They're all from Brussels. So they start with a handicap, OK? Let's pick on Brussels. You know why? Because Brussels was the worst place to go to at school. They used to do all your school trips to Brussels. And everybody used to get, where are we going? Brussels. Oh, yeah, the chocolate. But, I mean, you know, oh, dear. What a boring country. Anyway, so they're all on the, on the Ryanair flight. And then one person's going through. And they're, they're not allowed to check their bag on because it's too big to go as hand luggage. So they get charged. So the students, thinking they're being really clever, mutiny on the plane you know, and start sort of creating a bit of a disturbance. So Ryanair, not having any messing around with this, all of you, off. Off! Off now! Bring on the police, get them all off, and they say, you're not flying with us. And so the students are then stranded at the airport. I laughed. I thought, I'm so happy. Now you're not going home. Now you can find another carrier to take you. It's like when they have Holiday Airport on the telly, and you see people turning up, and they've had a few drinks, and they go, I had a drink, and, and, and they go, we're not letting you on the flight. Why? Because you're drunk. And then they start kicking off. And that's what you don't want in an aeroplane, do you? Unless you've got that have-a-go granny. In which case, she can just bang him with her handbag. I mean, well, what a wonderful woman. One of the blokes she knocked down, he fell on the... And people sat on him till the police arrived. So it won't take them long and we'll send him to prison. Like we've just sent a vile piece of work called Amy Lee Smith. Don't ever think in your mind that double-barrelled means class. In this case, it means total filth. Total filth. She goes to a nightclub. She's 17. She's one of those, let's just call them rough people. And um, got into a fight with a girl called Joanne. Joanne lost the sight in one eye as this disgusting piece of filth, Amy Lee Smith, stamped on her face with a stiletto heel. She's that kind of filth. Anyway, since the, uh, since the incident happened, she's managed to get herself up the duff and hoping that the judge wouldn't actually send her to prison. He did. 33 months. He said, you can have your baby in prison. And he said, I'm sick to death of people like you. Our towns are becoming no-go areas for the law-abiding, and the sole reason is the consumption of young people of excessive quantities of alcohol. And quite clearly, this piece of filth, Amy Lee Smith, couldn't handle alcohol. Shouldn't even have been in a nightclub at 17. Shouldn't even have been there. But of course, you know, people let people in, and uh, the breweries don't care. You'd be as drunk as you like and still get served at a bar. Whereas in the early days, they go, I think you've had enough, you should go home. Now, it's more than likely people would kick off. And this particular piece of filth kicked off, but now she can kick off in prison as much as she likes. You've got 33 months, and when you come out, I hope people shout abuse at you. Because you're just too disgusting to even be here. There's a foot doctor as well in the paper today. He's a, he's a, he's a Christian podiatrist. Now, you remember yesterday, we had the government's drugs man who made some disparaging comments about gay people and paedophiles linking the two together, which, of course, is rather naive and stupid, seeing as most paedophiles are heterosexual. But this is a, a Christian podiatrist. I mean, why that would make any difference, I don't know. But he refused to treat a man who was HIV positive because he didn't approve of homosexuality. Does, it, does that come in a lot? I mean, there are a lot of people who are HIV positive who are heterosexual. But uh, Steve Hardy also failed to provide proper treatment to a diabetic patient he thought was effeminate. 
And there's a picture of Steve Hardy here. If anybody looks effeminate, this is the effeminacy. The foot doctor faces sev- several charges uh, relating to his treatment of patients and colleagues he perceived were homosexual. Have you ever heard of this? And apparently he's, he's also accused of failing to tell his boss he was doing private work. I've never heard of such a thing. I've never heard of such a thing. There's, there's one person here, Mrs Hood, um, uh, was aware that Mr Hardy didn't approve of homosexuality and has quoted his Christian faith as the reason. I mean, I, to be honest, I don't know where it says this in the Bible. Perhaps they're all reading different Bibles. But uh, then he was supposed to attend a mandatory child protection training course. But when he discovered that the trainer running the session was someone he perceived to be homosexual, he rang his boss and said he couldn't go because he was having personal problems. He said he felt the man had previously made a part of him by smiling and his eyes were twinkling. In your dreams. In your dreams, mate. And then apparently, in 2007, a gay couple complained to Mrs Hood after he was rude and obnoxious and wouldn't turn to face them. Have you ever heard of such a thing? And whatever happened to the, sort of... Uh, I thought Christians... I mean, 99.9% are people who sort of go out there and turn the other cheek and are more than happy and don't really care. It's got nothing to do with people, what you do behind closed doors. There's probably things some Christians do behind closed doors that are best kept behind closed doors. But to actually refuse to treat somebody because they're gay strikes me, again, as somebody else who's going to get themselves into a lot of trouble. And in the end, they'll kick him out because you just don't want to go anywhere near people like that because if they don't like gay people, chances are they don't like blacks, they don't like Jews, they don't like anybody. The chances are they've got so much prejudice and hatred. And I always say to somebody, prejudice kills six million Jews. And they go, yeah, well... They, they just don't seem to like anybody. Can't help it. They've just probably dropped on the red, I suppose. Uh, Camilla Parker Bowles, will she be queen? Uh, the answer is probably not in our lifetime. I don't think so. I don't think so. Wendy says she was 100% responsible for Diana's marriage misery. Uh, and also, if Cheryl Cole... Sorry, well, I think Charles was having the affair with Camilla. But I thought that was the thing. I mean, I don't know what... I, w- I watched Gosford Park last night. And I don't know if you remember the story, but it's a uh, country house. It's really fabulous. Lot- everybody in it who was in Downton Abbey, they've just moved them all over and they've all got roughly the same kind of roles. And, and in the end, the man who owns the house gets killed. He's poisoned and then stabbed. And it's all, v- it's all very, very good, actually. And... Um, what was this? What? Yes, and so... I'm sorry, I've lost track because Christo just sent me a text message. I'll have to read in a minute. But anyway, so they, they, they're all there and he, he, he gets killed. Why? Because it turns out that he's fathered a lot of children. So what in the, used to happen in these big houses was that the owner of the house would sleep with the parlour maids and they would have lots of illegitimate children. It, it's rife. Absolutely right. So when, when Charles had an affair with Camilla while she was married to Andrew Parker Bowles and then got married, nobody was really surprised. In fact, they were probably surprised that we were surprised. Because it's quite normal in upper circles of people, you know, a little bit of old totty, you know, and kind of little things here. You know. And they just like, they just do that kind of thing. We, we do it as well, except we're just probably a bit more open about it. But it went on all the time. There were loads of illegitimate children. So this man was killed by one of his illegitimate children who had been shoved in a home and, uh, and then decided to then wreak his revenge. And so that's how it happened. So, to be honest with you, when Camilla was named as the woman... And, and Diana, in her interview, said, you know, well, why, why did it go wrong? She said, well, there were three of us in the relationship. I mean, she, she was just a bit naive and didn't realise. I think she thought, fairy tale wedding, fall in love with, you know, old man who's done the rounds of everything, and then eventually gets round to her. And the truth of the matter is, they're looking for somebody who's the right age who can provide heir and a spare, which is exactly what they got. But his, his, his love was always Camilla throughout the whole marriage. 
Must take some doing. I mean... Yes. I mean, I would think Charles's fault, but it does take two to tango. I mean, Camilla knew. I mean, she was married. And and Charles was married. So they were both both wrong in the eyes of the law and the eyes of God. Completely wrong. So if you want to start, you know, throwing stones, it, it happened there, I'm afraid. But uh, if Cheryl Cole, says Wendy, was a judge here, and... Uh, uh, I'd, sh- nobody would understand her. Christo s- has just sent me a text message. And he's... I'll have to read it to you. I'm going to read it to you. Well, part of it I'll read to you. Because he has a cab outside. And um, his, his cab was waiting for him. He said, three burly men claimed one of them was me and got in his cab and stolen it. The cab company called the driver, but they refused to leave the cab and let the driver return to me. He says, when I do get in, the driver's traumatised and I'm freezing. So three burly people. So he'd have got the cab down the end here with some very undesirables. And what they were doing is, there is a cab company down there where they stand and go, you, 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 and they get in it. So the the cab driver said, you have to get out of the car. And the three people went, we're not getting out. He said, no, this is a booked car. There's nothing to do with the people down here. Poor old Christo, honestly. He didn't half get it, didn't he? He didn't half get it. Do you know, first of all, me, me telling him he's scruffy. Oh, dear, now he didn't get his cab. Oh. Yeah. You can have a Toblerone again, because he does eat most of my Toblerones out of the cupboard. So when you, when you come in tomorrow, you can have the Toblerone, or you can have one of the packets of Haribos. OK? You can't... No, you're not having a lint bunny. No, definitely. The lint bunnies are an absolute no-no. I mean, they are... They're not to be actually had until it's Easter. So the lint bunnies remain in the box, I'm afraid. Uh, Paul says, I think Karen took Jason's comments totally wrong. I think she was under the impression that Jason was decrying Johnson's efforts to fight his way back to fitness after the injuries he suffered whilst deployed. That wasn't the case at all. Uh, He was there, as you say, to make constructive criticisms only about Johnson's ice performance only. Maybe Karen should be deployed to the green room. It all reminded me of the Victoria Wood Christmas special where the big boss starts at the top and just gets demoted. Somebody should have a quiet word. Yes, I absolutely agree. I think uh, Christopher D... Although I suspect she runs the house. Because Christopher D doesn't quite look strong. And it's hard to believe he was a policeman, isn't it? Hard to believe that Christopher Dean was a policeman. But uh, I think we're now on marriage two, and now he's with Karen. It's obviously a little bit... F- he, perhaps he likes strong women, but she was way out of order. Way out of order. And I think 99.9% of you would absolutely agree with me. that when, when you watch it back again... You will say the same thing. You'll go, he was, he was quite calm and collected and saying, listen, if your opinion mattered on this, in other words, th- nobody's, nobody's asked you your opinion. Do not be rude and interrupt. They're asking me, and I'm telling them my opinion. You know, if you hadn't interrupted, and that's why he said you're not on the panel. Because if, if people valued her opinion, she'd be on the panel. She is sort of like head bunny, as it were. She sort of guides them round the ice. But there again, I thought that's what Torvald and Dean did. But presumably, perhaps Christopher Dean had a quiet word. And uh, they went, oh, come on, give her something. Let her sit on a chair in a frock. Well, all right, we don't really want her, but uh, OK. Because Jason's much more newsprint-worthy. Much more newsprint-worthy. Uh, there's a new dragon who is coming on to the dragon. So we, we've actually lost, I think, James Khan, not his real name, uh, and they're bringing on another woman. So that'll be quite... I quite like the idea of another woman on. They've always thought they were a bit male top-heavy. And so it'll be nice to have another woman on there who's successful. I just always want... I mean, I've said to Amanda on time and time again, having watched Dragon's Den, I would actually quite like Deborah Meaden to occasionally give some money out. She just sits there with this miserable face that looks like a squashed prune. No, Ballantyne's dreadful as well, isn't he? I don't think he ever gives money. 
ever gives money. But you know, they're all on there for their own good. I don't think anybody's on there to, you know, to worry about anything else at all. You know, they don't care. Most of the time, they actually miss the really, really good things and they lose it and somebody else gets it. So, I, li- I quite like the programme. Quite like it. And, um... Another one here, Ross in Norwich says, Dave is as good and funny as, uh, as the organ grinder. I know, but he's always, unfortunately, going to be the monkey, isn't he? He's never going to be it. But, I mean, he's so desperately unfunny on the Dancing on Ice. In fact, I don't know why anybody would ever think he was funny. He really was just absolute a bore of the first one. That's the worst you could ever say about anybody, is they're boring. And he's boring, I'm afraid. Uh, other stories of the papers today. Trying to find something that... Uh, that is absolutely brilliant. Oh, there's another girl who's slept with a footballer. Big deal. I know, I'm not even going to waste your time by telling you who it is. Uh, and eating junk food, can, junk food can damage a child's IQ. Imagine. Junk food. The headline on The Sun. Junk is bad for kids' IQ. John Terry, lovely, charming man, charming family, has quit gambling after risking colossal fortunes at the bookies. Who cares? Who cares? Once a numpty, always a numpty. He's closed accounts with a number of bookmakers. I bet you have, mate. I bet you have. Terry, only 30, but sometimes behaves like a five-year-old, uh, was known to enjoy a flutter on the horses. Oh, lovely. But he's been spotted in a, a betting shop in, sh- in Surrey, shoving huge bundles of notes over the counter. Huge bundles of notes. Well, the taxman is aware of all of this kind of thing. You can't just start shoving bundles of notes. I was talking to a friend of mine who does um, investment banking. And so people go and say, listen, I, I've got £30,000 to invest. And you have to check that the money is not laundered. You've got to know the source of the money. Somebody walks into a betting shop and starts handing over bundles of money. You start thinking, have you been into the bank and got bundles of money? And just to hand it over seems a bit pointless, really. Why don't you just cut out the middleman, Mr Terry, and just throw it down the drain? And then I'll, I'll retrieve some of it, give it back, and that way your quid's in. It's good news, isn't it? 14 to 6. <laughs> These are the headlines. The Foreign Secretary has written to US officials saying the government government maintains it was entirely wrong to release the Lockerbie bomber. William Hague has made the statement in a letter to the head of the Senate Committee on Foreign Affairs. Meals with lots of fat, sugar and processed food could be affecting your child's intelligence. A team at Bristol University has found a bad diet at the age of three is directly associated with a lower IQ at eight and a half. And the Duchess of Cornwall has done little to quell rumours she could become queen one day after remarking, you never know during an official visit. She was asked the question by an eight-year-old during a visit to a children's centre. The official line is that she would become Princess Consort. Check on the roads for you this morning. In Tuesday, lovely Jay Louise. Thank you, Steve. Good morning. Well, the anti-clockwise M25... Morning, everybody. 12 minutes to six is the time. Tuesday morning in London town. I love uh, Ali Ross. I do like his uh, column. He talks here about... um, uh, embarrassing bodies. I don't know if you've ever seen embarrassing. I can't watch it. I don't know why these people want to go on the television. They're disgusting. But uh, but the funniest thing was interviewee of the week, Agro Santos, who gave the only possible response to Vanessa Feltz's request. Please, can you say in Portuguese, this is a wonderful moment being here on the show? His response was, no. <laughs> I didn't even know she was still on. I thought they'd axed it by now due to lack of interest in just about everybody. I've no idea that we're still dragging this torturously sad woman out on the television every today, every day when she's got one of those faces which, I mean, she just looks, she looks unhappy. Every face you see, you know, when, when she tries to smile, it comes over as fake. 
And it's just, it's just not real. It was like watching the other day, and it grieves me to tell you that the new presenter on Blue Peter, somebody called Barney, has started becoming a bit insincere. Quite clearly believing that because he's on children's BBC practically 24 hours a day, people are interested in seeing him. Well, you know, we are as much as the test card, but he pops up on everybody's programme and it's becoming a bit boring. And now I've watched him and now I've actually taken more of an interest because he's a Blue Peter presenter. The one thing he isn't is a natural presenter. The one thing he is, is very fake. We get lots of this. And here's my bit, which I did earlier on yesterday. You have a look. And it's a little bit, it's a little bit twee, I'm afraid. Whereas the other two, you know, are obviously, he's obviously doing his bits to camera and thinking, I'm so much more experienced than the other two. And it's coming over in the presentation. It's coming over as, I don't think I can do this, but I know it's absolutely easy peasy lemon squeezy. A failed asylum seeker is still in Britain 12 years after he arrived illegally. His officials fear breaching his rights. And there's another one here. A failed asylum seeker who claims she was gay to avoid being deported has won her last, her latest human rights bid to stay. This is the woman going to... Oh, it works. Has it been done? Yeah. Blimey. Let's hope for every... Sorry, it's a coffee machine. I get a bit excited about the coffee machine. I'm sorry, you know. Other people don't get excited about coffee machines. I go, oh, it's working. Because you need that little bit of a kick this time of the morning. Some people survive on tea. I I have the tea and the coffee as well. Just to make me go, woo, up on the tea. So we've got this woman. She goes, I'm gay. I can't go back. I mean, to be honest with you, uh, the, the government have said, no, she's not gay, she's just making it up. And you do get people, strangely enough, people lie. You do get people who actually tell lies to stay in this country. Why would you want to go back to, you know, hell on earth when you could stay here and we give you free house and money and everything? People can't believe their luck. They cannot believe their luck here. We're just so easy. And then people were saying the other day about the, uh, the bomber. You remember the one who was going to die of cancer and didn't? Because quite clearly we actually find all these uh, doctors who will just tell you about anything, I'm afraid, nowadays. I'm still waiting for the great train robber, Ronnie Biggs, to die. He was apparently only hours from death as they let him out. What, a, what, a, what an old cover-up that turned out to be. The old crook living a life of luxury, although probably not for much longer. And so uh, the bomber, who then goes back to Libya, and they said, had he stayed in prison and died here, Libya would have really pulled the rug from under our feet and made life difficult. We're a bunch of wusses, aren't we? We turn around to Libya and go... We're not, well, I'm sorry, he murdered all these people and we're letting him go. What kind of justice is that? The answer is, they're laughing, laughing at us, because our justice system is so pathetic. I'm sorry, I'm a lesbian. Um, OK, you can stay. All right, because I'm going to be killed. Most of these people just tell blatant lies. I mean, can you imagine a failed asylum seeker? Twelve years, still here. Twelve years later, still here. Why don't we just, they arrive in, no, I'm sorry, don't go through a process... Nobody'd ever hear about it. you. Take them, stick them on a plane. You failed. We've been through the checks. We're taking you, and off you go back again. You know, you're not coming in. It's as simple as that. We don't want more people sponging. Not enough people working in this country at the moment. Dreadful. Two in th- two thirds of Brits. Come on, do you fit into this one? Two thirds of Brits have bought fake designer clothes. Apparently, one in ten items in our wardrobe is counterfeit. Not in my wardrobe. It's not counterfeit. Do you, have, do, you do you go to the market? Can you buy... Yes, I mean, to be honest with you, they never fake M&S clothes, do they? They, they? they only tend to do Dolce and Gabbana and stuff. They never do fake Gant. They just do fake things. It's like, you know, when you see somebody who's quite clearly a chav wearing Dior glasses, you know they're fake. You know, you can tell they're fake. And you see somebody, you know, with a, a Burberry bag, and you know it's a fake. 
Because they don't look as though they've got thruppence to rub together. But they get, do, they, do they seriously think that people look at them and go, gosh, you've got a Burberry bag that's worth £400? No, they haven't. They've got a cheap rip-off from the market for about 25 quid. And that means the market stallholders make about 500% profit. But uh, strangely enough, two-thirds of people buy fakes on holiday and a quarter online. You know that there is that huge problem um, with people buying on eBay. Anything that's got a, a label on it, nine out of ten times on eBay, you know, if it's got Dior or it's got, you know, whatever other name it is on it, it's fake. Fake shoes, fake hat, all sold on eBay. So I'd let you know, know that now. Uh, there's another gay copper has accused his lesbian boss... Good Lord, it's rife everywhere today. What a day today for homophobia. A gay cop has accused his lesbian boss of homophobia after she ordered him to tone down his campness. A camp policeman? Whoops, there we go with my trunch, and you're under arrest, you come with me. Don't think so. The PC26 was told by the chief inspector to stop mincing as he walked around their police station and to act more professionally. So the officer has now complained that he was bullied. Well, I mean, if she seriously said that, that's absolute bullying. That's absolute bullying. But uh, the chief inspector, who understands what it's like to be gay, is right to have a word with him if his conduct is damaging. This is not because he's gay. I would expect her to pull him up in the same way if he had a dirty uniform or long hair. But uh, uh, now the officer, based in London, has complained to Scotland Yard and they will decide whether his dressing down was anti-gay. Critics yesterday accused him of a stupid and frivolous gripe. Well, I'm not sure I want mincing policemen. I don't, I don't think that's the way forward at all, is it? You know, you're not exactly going to be impressing any sort of, you know, tough blokes coming out of a football match. Oh, God, puffy policemen over there. Woo, woo, woo. Come on, Mary, over this way. You know, it's not going to happen. I bet I could go around Charing Cross Police Station. I don't think you'd find any gay police officers around there at all. Well, I don't, one or two, I think, you know, might skip to work. But, I mean, I wouldn't actually categorically state they were gay. I love the idea of mincing around a police station. I mean, everybody's idea of mincing would be Larry Grayson, wouldn't it? And, and you just can't see policemen doing that. Although, strangely enough, my, my goddaughter, Charlotte, she can't work out now, because she's getting to that stage where she has to decide what she wants to do for a living. Coming up 16, and she thinks she'd like to be a police officer, but she can't work out whether or not she wants to be a dog handler or a horse a horse, uh, a police, an actual, <laughs> you're supposed to be a horse. And I said to her, I said, well, I'd, I'd go for the dog because you can get to take it home. To which Nathan said, can you not bring the police horse home? I said, I don't think so, Nathan. Unless you've actually got a stable in the back garden, it's not going to be very possible. So, and I, I said, to be honest with you, go, go for the dog because the dog becomes a pet at home, but it's still a working dog. You know, there, there has to be a, there's a thin line, I think. But I thought that'd be great because you get a dog to train and then it goes with you. And... Yeah, she gets an Alsatian. That'd be quite good, wouldn't it? An Alsatian. But uh, but she's also very keen on horses. Very, very keen on horses. Uh, Paul says, uh, it's coming up to that dreaded day of the year when if you're on your own, you get nothing. And if you're a couple, you get fleeced by florists and card companies. Uh, there is the story, he said, which made several papers, of the two male parakeets named Joey and Peter who live at the RSPCA shelter in Derby. They're so happy and loved up, they spend all day grooming and tweeting sweet nothings to each other, and if they're separated, they go off their food. The staff are so taken by it, they've arranged a civil ceremony for the birds on Valentine's Day. Gay parakeets? Dear me. He says, how nice is that? Sadly, though, for every nice story, I see that Miss Price and Joe Swash are the latest to sign up for the Let's Dance for Comic Relief. Him, maybe because the work is a bit slow at the minute, and her because I suppose it might give the film crew something to do. 
Wonder if she'll drag the kids along. <laughs> Quite possibly, of course. Uh, Richie says, interesting what you said about John Lewis. This is where they've changed the wording. Under their never knowingly undersold, what they're doing now is, if the company that you're buying the same item from is not offering the same deal as John Lewis, they're not honouring the price pledge. So, in other words, you know, because they might be offering two years on a telly or five years and they're offering free delivery and the other company charges, that's not the same. So they, they've, they've worded it somewhat differently. He says, but I've always found they're never knowingly undersold to be a bit misleading. Well, I, I said that years ago because the, the, the slogan is John Lewis never knowingly undersold. But they are. If, I, if, I, if, if Jess goes out today and, and buys a television and I buy a television and I discover that my, my television... It's cheaper. I, I go to John Lewis and I say, look, I found exactly the same model and it's this and that and everything's identical, but they are 50 quid cheaper. They will investigate. They give my 50 quid back. They don't reduce the price of their television, though. So it goes back up to their normal price. And if Jess goes in and she doesn't notice where I bought my television from, she has to pay normal price. Whereas, in fact, they are knowingly now selling it above the price that they know I can get it for. But they're not going to tell her. They, they, they sort of keep it quiet. You follow that? Did that make sense to you? Sort of made sense. And a lovely picture of my friend Graham. Uh, he was papped with Lisa Snowden on a beach in Los Angeles, in Miami. And he sent me a copy of it in, just in case I, I didn't believe it. When John was driving his car... Morning, everybody. It's nice to have you company. This is LBC 97.3. We're broadcasting live from Leicester Square. It's Tuesday, February the 8th, 2011... And, uh, and John is flying to San Francisco on the 27th of this month. Very nice indeed. He said, because I live in Leeds, I was booked into a Heathrow hotel on the night of the 26th. So I booked a ticket for your show. It's quite handy. So you get to, he said, escape a boring night at Heathrow. Absolutely. Go to steveallenshow.com if you want details of the show. First one sold out and uh, there's not that many tickets left for the 7 o'clock show. So last one this year. Get in quick. Christo will be down there. We can prize him out of the taxi. Poor soul. Honestly, only Christo could have a story like that. He'll probably tell you more tomorrow. On FM, online and digital. Morning, team. Nice to have you company. Welcome to Tuesday morning. Half windy yesterday. You know, for the first time ever, I get off the train. Of course, the train yesterday went a bit of a disaster on the train. I get the train and we sit on there and I'm looking at the watch thinking, should have left by now because I, I always get the, the Polish Express in the morning. I think I'm the only person who isn't Polish on there. They're all workmen. They're all carrying saws, and they seem to turn up with everything under the sun now. So I sort of sit there staring into the distance, sort of dreaming of, you know, anything. And, um, and then the guard comes on. Oh, morning, ladies and gentlemen. I'm sorry, we have a bit of trouble closing the doors. That's why we haven't left just yet. So eventually we then get the doors closed, so we set off on the journey. And, um, and then we go a little bit... We get outside... Might have been Vauxhall, I think, and we sort of come to a grinding halt... So we all sit there staring out the window, nothing, trains whizzing past us in all directions. And then he comes on the thing again and goes, uh, terribly sorry, I said, it's uh, just one of those days today. Uh, we're not picking up power from the lines. <laughs> it's a bit like a scale electric car. We've got to bend the little things underneath so it hits the track. And, uh, and so we, we didn't pick up any power. So we all had to get off at Vauxhall and, and get the next train, which actually, luckily, came in with about 35 seconds. So that was good. But of course, it was packed solid with the second wave of, of Polish workmen. So in fact, there was nowhere to sit on this train at all. And then and I, so I, get, I eventually get on, and, and I'm sitting in the, the shh compartment. And on the windows, on all of the windows, there's a thing going, no mobile phones, no music, 
you know, quiet. So what have we got? The Polish, cha 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 loud. Opposite me, Chinese girl on the phone. Well, I do what I normally do. I sort of either cough loudly. If I'm sitting opposite her, I'd have pointed up at the thing and gone, no mobile phones. If you want to use your mobile phone, go to another carriage. I don't want to, I don't want to see you here. And, and she, she chatted for most of the journey. Totally oblivious. And behind me, I've got somebody with their iPod playing. So quite clearly, nobody's going to do anything about people who are breaking... And they'll say, well, so what? I'm on the phone. But I often wonder about people on the phone first thing in the morning. Because you think, who are you talking to at five past seven? Who are you talking to? You know, is, is, is it somebody else who's, who's just up? Joy says, on the tube the other morning, there was a man writing with a pen in each hand from the middle of the page, both at the same time. I know that's a very odd thing to do, isn't it? I, I, I love people who sit on the train, they're doing Sudoku. Because I can't do Sudoku. I'm just rubbish, isn't it? And, uh, and that always... Or people do the crosswords. I can't do crosswords for love. I could sit there, they, you know, they, they, they could actually give me the word and I still wouldn't know it. And they, and they put it down and you think, no. Who does cross... Does anybody do crosswords? It's just a paper filler. Uh, Steve, I saw the woman on Sky. Hope she gets an award for her bravery. Well, what, what the police will, will say and what they've all said so far is, you know, good for her... But if they'd had a gun and they pulled it out... Do you remember the bloke who did it in Richmond? Again, little little peanut brain idiots turn up on a motorcycle with a sledgehammer, kind of a giveaway, and they try and smash the window of the jewellery shop in Twickenham. And this old boy's there, and he starts attacking them with his walking stick. In the end, they're going, get away, get away! And, uh, and they actually get, get caught. So that was good news. Unfortunately, he actually died, not as a result of that, but because of old age. And, um, and I, I think it was... I think it was dead brave of that woman. Go to the LBC website, have a look, because she lays into these robbers. I mean, I would be the first one ripping their helmets off to go, now we know what you look like. Now we've got you. Because there's too much of this going on. The staff in the shop just stand there while somebody with a sledgehammer smashes their windows in. What I want to have, and I know in South Africa you can buy this, because they get so many carjackings in uh, South Africa that you can buy things in your car now which are flamethrowers. They're underneath the car... And they're fitted to a gas tank, so if anybody tries to mug you at traffic lights, which happens a lot, you push a button and, uh, and you incinerate them. And what I always wanted was a car whereby somebody breaks into your car and I want all of a sudden the doors... So you push a little button and the doors lock and slowly gas seeps into it, a little bit like, you know, a James Bond car. And, and it teaches them a lesson, because to be honest with you, it's got out of hand now. Gangs turning up, smashing shop windows. Just ridiculous. I mean, years ago, can you imagine? There was, uh, you know, years ago, police didn't have cars. They had to run to the phone box at the end of the street to go, there's a robbery ticket, and then they blow their whistle. Fat lot of blooming use that must have been, must it? Um, he's blowing a whistle. Oh, don't worry, the hour's away. And I never quite understand that if a robbery's in, in place, why the police put the sirens on? Do the robbers not think, oh, the police are on their way? Let's hang around for another ten minutes. Not. Uh, David says, years ago, Steve, Comedy Dave was on a TV channel called UK Play as a duo. He used to just sit there and say nothing. A bit like that now on the Dancing on Ice programme, poor soul. Uh, but thank you for that. Margaret says, I agree 100%. Karen was out of order. Took it too far. She needs putting in her place. Madam Two Swords will do. Jason is excellent. Well, as usual, the, the papers have gone overboard with it. You know, she was in tears and everything else. Well, she shouldn't have interfered. Nobody was asking her opinion. She butted in on somebody else's uh, story, and he was doing the thing. He wasn't criticising him for what he did for his VC. He was judging him on, on how far he progressed, and she, of course, made a complete fool of herself on there. So, silly Karen. 
silly Karen. But uh, at the end of the day, he was quite right. You're not on the panel. Nobody cares. You're just here to coach them. You're not here to offer an opinion, all right, darling? If you were offering an opinion, you'd be sitting on the panel. OK. Uh, a recent survey concluding that British men and uh, women are the fattest in Europe. Surely, Steve, you'll be ditching the comforts of your motor and opting to shed pounds by coming to work on a bicycle. Don't be so stupid. Don't be so stupid. Oh, so why do people waste their time on a, on a keyboard writing drivel like that? Uh, I will not. It's 11 miles out and I have no intention of cycling in. Stupid people, honestly. Why on earth you'd want to cycle in? Asking for trouble. Diabetic with a heart complaint. And also... How in the morning would you ride a cycle holding your burger in one hand, you know, and your bacon sandwich in the other? You just couldn't manage it. And my chalky milkshake, because I like a chocolate milkshake malted in the morning with sprinkles. Uh, you just couldn't manage it, could you? Oh, dear, honestly. Are you sure you come from Twickenham? Oh, Twickenham's going up market. I said the other morning, I, I showed it to Graham the other day, we're having our first tattoo parlour. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Next to the Shell Garage, there's uh, a restaurant that opens, closes, opens, closes, opens, closes. And then next to that empty shop used to be John Prescott, the bookshop. Not that John Prescott, but another one. And now we're going to have a tattoo parlour. So the area's really going up, isn't it? We're really excited by that. A tattoo parlour. I shall go in there and see what sort of piercings they, they, they can offer. And every week I could come in and tell you about the new piercing that I've had done. <laughs> what a marvellous idea. What a marvellous idea. Uh, I'll tell you in a moment what's happening with, uh, with Nick Ferrari. 375,000 people uh, have... Uh, took ill yesterday. How they know that? I've got no idea. 375,000 people went sick. I never do sickies. I can honestly say, unless I'm absolutely, you know, really, 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 you know, dying, I, I don't do sickies. Some people do them all the time. They, they sort of build it into their, uh, into their workload. I don't. I'm, I'm terrible. I couldn't do things like that. I must tell you as well, remember Sunday, we had a Sony Vio laptop. A Sony Vio laptop on my how low, and I know you're dying to know how low it went. Well, I can tell you the winner was a lady called Elizabeth from Bootle on Merseyside. Well done, Elizabeth. I think you're our furthest winner. And she had a bid, made at two minutes past nine, of £1.29. £1.29. She got the Sony Vio laptop. Well done, Elizabeth. Congratulations. Obviously a regular listener. It's lovely to have your company. Oh, Robson Green. This week, In Conversation, really good, really good. In con- They're all good, actually. And don't forget, you can go and podcast them on lbc.co.uk. Quarter past six. News headlines, Sam Pittis. A committee of MPs claims the Highways Agency's mishandling of the project to ease... Con- I love uh, Melanie, who said to me, my, uh, because we were talking about exercise earlier on, and she said, my grandpa started walking five miles a day when he was 60. He's 97 now, and we haven't got the faintest idea where he is. <laughs> Don't you just love stuff like that? It's the simple things that put a smile on your face first thing in the morning. Uh, 84850, uh Very quickly here. Uh, this is one uh, which says, um, people who are talking on the phone early in the morning, often phone their families back at home, all because of the time difference. Well, why do they have to do it on trains in front of everybody else? Why do they have to, you know, why do they have to share their conversation? And some people are very loud on their phones. I feel like picking up my phone and going, I'm on the train, there's a very stupid person opposite me who's speaking. Of course, you'd never do it. I mean, really, it, it, it would be, it's, it's a Dom Jolly kind of thing, isn't it, really, I suppose. Uh, another one here. Oh, Noreen. Sorry, I forgot about Noreen, actually. Who says, tickets going well for the second show. It's only just over two weeks away, isn't it? Oh, blimey, is it really? 26. What are we up to now? The 8th? Oh, good Lord. 
Is that... Th- yeah, three weeks, just under three... Good blimey. Yeah, just over two weeks, about two and a half weeks. Good Lord, is it really? I'll just dust the jacket off, I think, for it. 26th at the Mermaid Theatre, bottom of Fleet Street. Very nice indeed. And uh, I think Noreen's going to be there. Christo's going to be there. Amanda will be there. And John Warrington will be there. And um, hopefully Paul Savory and a few other people as well. So if you go to steveallenshow.com, first show sold out, second show going great guns. Did you see the video on the LBC website, says Noreen, of the lady tackling the men smashing the jewellery shop window? She was brave. I've, I've, I've seen it now. Isn't it? I think she's great. I, I wouldn't actually recommend everybody trying to do it, just in case some of these people are, are armed. If, if they're prepared to get off a... But they, they just had little scooters, and she pushed one, and he fell over, and everybody sat on him. I thought, I bet you must be cursing the day. Because when you appear in court, there'll be photographs of them. We've seen them all before. It doesn't matter whether you turn up with masks. At some point... These people are unmasked, and then we get them, which is good. I like that. Uh, with Nick Ferrari this morning, they're talking about Lockerbie. Anything surprising from Gus O'Donnell's report? Uh, Nick will be asking what it means for the families of the victims, because, I mean, a lot of people lost their lives. Plus, with a charity warning te- teenagers who send sexy images of themselves to their boyfriends or girlfriend to think before you send, because there are a lot of people, and it's came, it, it came up um, about a month ago, that a lot of people talk to people on the internet without actually knowing who they are. I mean, if, if somebody writes and says, oh, by the way, I'm a, a 16-year-old girl looking for a boyfriend, I've got long blonde hair and blah, 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 the chances are it's going to be a paedophile. There's a very, very good chance. That's what people do on the internet. They hide behind an identity and then they sort of encourage the other person at the other end to do things that they wouldn't normally do if they realised they were talking to a dirty old man. So that's what you have to be careful of. And that's the only reason that people always said, listen, if your kids are on the computer, make sure you know what they're on. Go on to the history every so often and just check what sites they're accessing because you'd be surprised how easy it is to get, uh, to get caught by these things. Remember a short while ago we had Colleen Rooney and people had been, you know, she'd apparently been, been Twittering and saying... Th- and then people said she doesn't even have a Twitter account and it was somebody pretending to be her. And you get a lot of that, people pretending to be somebody else, because they're not all there in the head. They're a bit, they're a bit cracked. So you just have to be terribly, terribly careful. Uh, the Highways Agency failing to solve the congestion on the M25, costing a billion pounds. Do they get different... You know when they say it's costing a billion pounds? Do they get in three quotes like the rest of us do? One thing I've noticed, and in fact it occurred... This is down in Essex, just off the M11. There's a pothole in the road. There's been more accidents there. People have now had to contact the council to say, what are you doing? This pothole is so big, you fall in it, and people's tyres get uh, get uh, smashed. And they're doing this story, str- strange enough, which we did a, a while ago, about the swimming pool heated by a crematorium. I mean, I th- this was in the paper the other week, where the council, in, in an effort to sort of save money, are saying, listen, we've got lots of heat being generated here. We can heat the swimming pool. Does it make any difference? I mean, do you know where the water comes from in your pool? Do you know how many times it's been passed by the management? The answer is no. Would it make any difference how it was heated? Do you know how your local pool is heated? Of course you don't. Nobody does. And uh, cyber bullying and sexting. It is highly dangerous. You know, be very, very, very careful. And they're going to be talking about that with um, one lady called Sarah, whose daughter was cyber bullied. She was 13. Some from the school started a hate group about her on Bebo. Uh, luckily, you then get these people and you take them to court and you expose them. I told you the story yesterday of a presenter here who was sent something offensive and it turned out to be a, 
uh, an old dirty old man who sent filth to loads of people and cried and blubbed like a baby when confronted by the police. Because you have to take these people to court. Don't ever sit back and think, no, somebody's going to bully me. They've all, they, they have computers. Each, each computer has got an identification. You can find out exactly where it is. You can find anything out. Much, much easier than a mobile phone. Much easier. So, uh, easy peasy lemon squeeze. You must always, always go to the police. Police love this kind of work. Keeps them very busy. Um, local showbiz news in Twickenham. The Mayor's Black Tie Charity Ball will take place at York House. I've done a tour of York House, actually. This is on the 19th of Feb to benefit the Shooting Star Children's Hospice. Uh, the entertainment is produced by Twickenham-based Aspects Productions. The John Bennett Big Band, love a big band, American vocalist David Herzog, singer-songwriter Anushka Lucas and rock legend Pete French, plus Latin dance cabaret with Kerry Ann Donaldson. Oh, they're uh, second in the amateur stakes in the UK, and 12th worldwide, and uh, all the tickets have been sold. So that's good news for them. So the Shooting Star Children's Hospice benefit. Well, that's what I like. You know, we do do a lot for charity. Don't we do good charity in this country? We really... Uh, Duncan says, you're doing any more live shows similar to the recent one at The Mermaid? I haven't done it yet. (laughs) Not till the 26th. But no, that'll be the last one this year. There might be one in December, but it's certainly going to be... You have to catch me just in case I become immensely ill very quickly. And they go, do you know that was his last show? It's a very good show, you know. Very good show. Uh, Doing the papers this morning with uh, Nick Ferrari after seven. David Hall from the Alan Titchmarsh show. So no doubt it will be the, the girl Yob cage for the stamp on the club mum. Um, Jordan and Andre in shocking new punch-up, as if you cared. Uh, junk food diet hits a child's HQ. And uh, the Jason Gart... Sorry? I- IQ. What did I say? HQ. Oh, I like headquarters as well. IQ. And uh, Jason Gardner facing the sack. No, he's not. They absolutely love this kind of thing. He was absolutely right. Karen Barber was rude and offensive and butted in and was rude to him. He just said, listen, if your opinion mattered, you'd be on the panel, but you're not. So there we go. And then he didn't, he then didn't sneer at her or anything else. She then became abusive. And to be honest with you, I thought it was a classic case of her bullying him. Simple as that. Uh, watch it back yourself if you don't believe it. Uh, right. Uh, Mail today. They're obsessed with people's health. Absolutely obsessed with... Do you know, if, if I worried about this all the time, it would be, it would be absolutely awful. I don't think it would go anywhere at all. Uh, there's a couple here, Britain's crazy welfare system is turning committed young couples into fraudsters because getting married or living together means they take a drastic cut. Well, we've seen this with people coming over here, uh, asylum seekers, and then they go, oh, yeah, we've actually split up. And so we get two houses and two lots of benefit because they've realised that that's how to cheat the system. Nobody ever checks. Nobody ever checks on these sort of things. It's so, it often makes me laugh. Somebody goes in there and goes, I've got a bad neck, I can't drive, can I get a disabled sticker? Yeah, here it is. And then you write back and go, can I get some benefit? Yeah, of course you can, you've got a bad neck. Nobody ever goes and checks them until they go round for a TV programme and check them to discover that 98% of people are fraudulent. And then they go, oh, I've been caught out, have I? Oh, terrible. Break. This is LBC 97.3. Ever notice how sometimes... 26 minutes to seven, just when you thought that television couldn't offer you another quiz show, uh, comedian Al Murray is launching a new one, Compete for the Meat, in which the, the prizes are frozen chicken and cheap sausages. I mean, it sounds wonderful. They are, in fact, trawling for contestants in Birmingham and Manchester. There'll be a stampede for this one. Having seen these, some of the ghastly programmes on the television, I mean, there's some real rubbish on at the moment. I mean, Blue Peter yesterday opened up... Now, everybody knows, everybody in the real world, except Blue Peter researchers, who, everybody knows, Chinese New Year, gong-ho-fat-choy. 
In fact, if you went down to Trafalgar Square, the huge signage went Gong Ho Fat Choi by the stage in letters 15 foot tall. Blue Peter opened up with a Mandarin version. I mean, I can only assume some stupid researcher must have gone, this is what they all say for Happy New Year. So the... so. It must be work experience, because the, the poor presenters struggled through something which nobody had the faintest idea what they were talking about. It's Gong Ho Fat Choi. Everybody knows what Chinese New Year is. And yet, they come and they go, and that's Happy New Year in Mandarin. I thought, well, who's speaking Mandarin? Absolutely the most ludicrous thing I've ever seen. And then they had to repeat it later on to emphasise how stupid it was. It's gone really down. And, of course, I mean, the worrying thing about Blue Peter is, and you, uh, I should imagine you're going to be as worried as I am, when they relocate the programme to Manchester... What's going to happen to George the Tortoise, who's buried in the Blue Peter Garden? What's going to happen? What is going to happen? Oh, forgot to tell you about my AOL saga. Tell you about that in a moment. And uh, they, they, they've relocated Petra and the plaque to Percy Thrower to the roof of uh, the BBC's new northern headquarters. But they haven't decided what's going to happen to George the Tortoise, who was buried there. The BBC say uh, no decisions have made on whether we're moving him. I shouldn't imagine there's much left of him by now. But they do bury things in the Blue Peter Garden. Which is quite interesting, isn't it? I suppose. I don't know. Uh, but I like the idea of uh, compete for the meat. How wonderful. And you can win a chicken or some cheap sausages. So anyway, AOL, you remember, the problem we had with AOL was that uh, my card was cloned. My, uh, my Visa, MasterCard, uh, a little while ago. And so uh, I inputted a new card into my AOL account. Little realising that apparently you can't do that. It didn't do it. So the old ones stayed on the account. So it rejected December's and it rejected January's. So they send me a letter and I then say on air, I'm not sure if this is genuine because I phoned somebody up and all they want is your credit card detail and all the rest of it. So I do it the first time round, then it happens second time round. So I, I kind of gave that up as a bad job. So I ignored the letter. The other day, they cut me off. So you phone up the number... This is on the Friday. And she goes, well, you know, the payment... In it. I said, but my card was cloned. You're speaking to Delhi, remember? My card was cloned. I can't do anything about it. Can I put the new card in? No. But I'll, I'll take the money that you owe us, and then you need to speak to Re- Reconnections. So I speak to Reconnections. This was Friday. And they say it'll be between four and 24 hours to put you back on. Why flicking a switch takes AOL that long? I've got no idea, because it can't be any more than flicking a switch or operating a computer and just going click back on again. It really can't be that difficult. But obviously it defeats them over there. So I go back home. Did it come on yesterday? No, it didn't. You can't speak to them on Sunday, because they don't work Sunday. So eventually you got to speak to them yesterday. So you put through to Delhi, as per usual, and I get a guy who quite clearly is from Delhi, and he calls himself Robin. So his name's Robin. So my name is Robin. How can I help? So I explained it. He said, oh, let me just check. Yes, it should have been back on. I don't know why it's not. Um, Let me put you through to Connections. So I then get put through to Connections, and uh, Connections say... Yes, I can't see... Wait a minute, let me put, put you back to Robin. So we go back to Robin again, and Robin says, listen, sorry for the inconvenience, very, very sorry, it will be back on tonight, Tuesday night. Again, why? This is now five days. Five days. So be warned, five days, if it goes off and it's not your fault, five days. And so he says, I'll give you a month free. So they've given me a month... We only pay £10 a month anyway, so they've given me £10 free. And then he says to me, he said, I hope that, that you will say that I've been very good and courteous to you. I said, absolutely, yes. Provided you put the blasted service back on again. Because I can't file my VAT until I'm back on. I could probably do it from the work computer, but it's easy. So I'll let you know if it, if it comes on tonight by tomorrow morning. So I've just got this horrible feeling this saga is going to run and run. 
All they've got to do is flick a switch. They can almost do it while you're sitting there. They just go right click. Why it takes them between four and 24 hours, I've got no idea. But it's, it's a slow process, I'm afraid. Very slow process. So if you're having a problem with your computer, thank God Darren's here on a Sunday to sort it out for you. Although whether we can do anything about, you know, you being taken offline and then waiting for it to go back on again, I don't know. But it feels like your right arm's been cut off. You feel a bit, bit of a loss, I'm afraid. I can get my, my emails out onto my phone, but I just can't do all the, all the other stuff. Bit chilly this morning for Mark the Bailiff, who's off out. Mind you, it makes no difference to him. The, the, the colder it is out there, the better it is for him, because you can guarantee people are staying in bed. And if they, uh, and if they stay in bed, it means he can get the car away pretty quickly, because he's a, he's a bailiff. So he goes round, and he'll only come out to you if you owe a bit of money on the car or parking tickets or stuff like that. But uh, he says the government are really coming down on anybody on benefits. To tell you the truth, it's disgusting where people are legit and trying their hardest, but having benefits stopped for stupid reasons. The trouble is, this, it's such a huge thing now. Benefit fraud is absolutely huge in this country. I'm sure every other country, you, do, you know, you can't turn up in Lagos and go, can I have some benefits? I, go, I don't think so, no. Definitely not, uh, not very likely to get benefits there, but uh, arrive here and we'll just hand them out. There is the, uh, the gypsy couple in the paper today who have the house worth one point something million and they get, they get in benefits £70,000 a year. They don't work. Quite clearly, why would you when you've got seventy thousand pounds a year coming in, and um, and they, they don't want to live in a caravan, being being travellers for some strange, inexplicable reason. Uh, they want to live in the house, but unfortunately, um, a lot of their neighbours have complained that the children are foul-mouthed, the language is appalling, they've trashed the area. It, uh, it just looks like a, an absolute shambles. Harringay Council, of course, said we're going to investigate. It's amazing it takes a newspaper to do it, and then then they have to sort of then investigate on that. They obviously don't have enough people down at, uh, down at Haringey. But we do love the woman pensioner. You must check her out on the LBC website. You really must. Where the, the, the gang turn up riding mopeds. I mean, to be honest with you, they'd be quicker off delivering pizzas, I suppose. And she then runs down the road. When she sees them, she runs down the road with a hammer and starts smashing them over the head. Brilliant. One of the robbers raised his sledgehammer to hit the woman back. But he uh, faltered on seeing her face. Shoppers and pedestrians congratulated the heroine. Police said four men, 18, 22, 25 and 39, have been arrested. And they're seeking the other two. They're coming to get you. They're coming to get you. I wish there was some, some kind of deterrent. Some kind of deterrent for sort of people who do this. I mean, I don't think sending people to prison for a short while is, is any deterrent. We don't seem to have a deterrent in this country. You can stamp on somebody's face and blind them and only get 33 months. That's, what, that's, all, that's all you get now, I'm afraid. It's uh, ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Uh, Steve, Happy New Year in Cantonese. Thank you. I'll check that one out. Um, Anastasia said, Is the tattoo parlour called Black Heart? Do I look as though I'm going to know what it's called? It's called a tattoo parlour, right? A Black Heart? I've got no idea. They were in um, Stanley Road, Teddington. Oh dear, we don't. I mean, we don't want people going. Around. There's a lot of elderly people in Twickenham. We don't want them going around with tattoos and piercings in unusual places. That's terrible. Um, Diana says we beat you. We've had a tattoo parlour in Richmond for some time. It's by the roundabout next to the cafe, bit out of the way. Well, this one's sort of by the by the shell garage, bit out of the way. But it's it's the kids from school walk past it. Wouldn't like to. Uh, wouldn't like to think that, you know, kids would be nipping in for a tattoo. But he says, and we do body piercings as well. Ooh, dear. The very idea of things like that kind of sort of worries me. Yes, yeah, 70000 a year this couple get. The family of travellers in a million-pound council house. Obviously got money to burn, haven't they, really? 
Uh, the rent is 54000 a year, paid for. Uh, child benefit, they get uh, a month, £670. They get 208 council tax. Job seekers, 567 uh, Total, a month, including the rent of 4500 they get £5,945. Doesn't really encourage you to work, does it? You can't help feeling, you know, wh- why are these people incapable of working? Why do we have child benefit? Why don't, why don't people just get off their fat bottoms and get out there and do a, and do a, a day's work? I just don't understand why, why people don't want to work now. And then you suddenly realise, when you look at all the benefits you can get through not working, why would they bother? Why would they bother? Um, another one here. Oh, they were saying the other day about chocolate. Remember, we, we were telling you about chocolate. A lot of people wrote into me and said, this, this cannot be true. Chocolate is good for you. Absolutely. Good chocolate. Not, not cheap chocolate. Good chocolate is, uh, is apparently very good for you. And uh, incidentally, today is Safer Internet Day today. Safer Internet Day. And so, well, it means that Peppa Pig, the Mr Men and Noddy... Some of, some of the characters helping to make the internet a worry-free zone. The uh, TV animations have all signed up for Channel 5's Milkshake Magic Desktop. It's a programme which can turn any PC into a safe place for young children without ever being subjected to inappropriate material. Because that's what parents need, because they don't, they don't know about it, do they? They absolutely don't know about what, what the kids are accessing. They have, have no idea at all. I, I get quite, quite worried, actually. In the same way... And I see this all the time, and I wasn't sure if it was just me again. You know, I see shoplifters, permanently see shoplifters. Wherever I go, I see shoplifters. Some people see ghosts, you know, people who drink a lot see ghosts and stuff like that, and little green men. But the one thing I've seen is people texting at the wheel, driving along, texting on the phone. Drives me mad. What I really want to do is drive into them. I don't want to damage the car. Drive into them and they go, I'm sorry, you were texting. You were on your phone. You were texting. I saw one woman... She's got the, the Atlas resting on the steering wheel and she's reading it as she's driving. You so want to be a policeman for the day, don't you? Absolutely want to be a policeman so that you can actually go there and go, you, off the road, now. Simple as that. Let's have a, a check on the news headlines now, seeing as the time is quarter to seven, with Sam Pittis. A committee of MPs claim the Highways Agency's mishandling of the project to ease... Ten to seven is uh, the time. Mandarin is Chinese, says Mr Chu. It's like we, but nobody speaks Mandarin over here. That's why I was surprised, as most of the Chinese in this country are Cantonese speakers, that Blue Peter would do uh, the Kung Hai Fat Choi in Mandarin, as opposed to in Cantonese. It just seemed a little bit pretentious. And I'm just assuming that somebody probably went to the internet, some lowly researcher, and typed in... Happy New Year in Chinese, and up it came in Mandarin, so they thought that was the one to learn. But, I mean, you know, everybody says Kung Hei Fat Choi. It's written down on the, you know, everywhere. Never seen it written in Mandarin, or even heard it. Even heard it, I'm afraid. A little bit uh, worrying. And, um, yes, and, and Deirdre, yes, we know that. But it's Cantori- Cantonese, not Mandarin, which is the Gong Hei Fat Choi. Yes, we know that's Cant. What are you? Are you listening properly or something? What's the matter with it? I've just said that was Cantonese. The other one was Mandarin on Blue Peter, and nobody speaks Mandarin over here. Well, I've never met anybody. Eight four eight five zero. Tony says, "What's the matter of your celebrity status? Doing travelling on a train? It's a part-time job. I've decided I want to be a guard for the day and stand because you know well, you know when you get on the train and then you stand there and you've got to wait while the guard just deems to push a button to open your doors, and you seem to stand there for ages waiting for this to happen. And you think, well, he's managed to open his door fairly quickly." Why can't you open our doors very quickly? And then you all pile off it. It always amazes me. 
I said the other day to somebody, stand at Waterloo Station or any of the stations in the morning, Victoria, no, don't go to Victoria, it's dreadful traffic, and, and watch how many thousands of people pour off the trains coming into London every day. It is amazing. Olive says, so a family can bring £70,000 in benefits, but a family working with a single income of over 42000 lose their child benefits. Doesn't actually pay to work. Well, that, that was the problem. And this is, this is the government saying, oh, we're definitely going to do something about the benefits system. We're definitely going to change it. And they've done nothing. There are still people in houses who don't work, who seem to have everything that loads of you don't have, like new cars and um, what else they got? Flat screen televisions and computers. Loads of things. And they get it all for free. Because it's free money. Why should you bother working? Although, if you do watch my big fat gypsy wedding tonight, tonight it's looking at the men, the Neanderthals, as they were called, because they went around grabbing the girls. And this time, it's their status within the traveller community based on the cars that they're driving. But as most people don't say to be read and write, and now they get insurance for this kind of thing. Stephen Harlington says, I can't wait to see the pictures of you with a tattoo. Yes, yes. I, I think, do you know, strangely enough, I have thought about getting a tattoo. But it's only for the fact... And it would be very discreet, and it certainly wouldn't be on display to anybody at all. I thought I'd just have the LBC logo. Yes, yes. I never understand why people have them tattooed on their face. You'd have to be pretty stupid. We did see somebody walking around Twickenham a while ago. His face was covered in tattoos. A little bit odd. It's like the, the Japanese gang members. Their whole body is tattooed... And so when you see them in a, in a suit, you wouldn't know they were tattooed. Then they take their suit off, and you realise that from the neck downwards, their entire body is, 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 is graffitiized. It really is most bizarre. Most bizarre. Uh, Steve, yesterday you were going to check the chocolate content of your Toblerone. Was the one left in the cupboard? There is one Toblerone left in the cupboard. And, it's a lo- and it, we're, we're probably going to have to give it, I think, to Christo for his programme tomorrow morning. Because we were saying that London has got some pretty low lifes in it. And he goes down to pick up his cab. And unfortunately, in the area where you pick up the cab at the bottom, uh, there's a lot of, let's just call them drunks, shall we, who just seem to get in any car that's pulled alongside there. Not bringing my car around. And three people get in it and pretend to be him. Why, why the driver didn't sort of say, well, no, I'm picking up one person. Are you this person? And automatically go, yeah, that's us, yeah. And, th- and they then refuse to get out after the cab company phoned the driver. And they, eventually, Christo gets, gets a car. But it's typical, isn't it? Typical poor soul, honestly, just in the end of his show. Uh, don't waste your time worrying. They've now said that the one thing that we do throughout the whole of our lives is worry. And the main thing you worry about, money and health. Money and health are the things that you worry about now. Because bullying is on the increase. And so people worry, oh, you know, have I got a job, have I not got a... And also bullying can lead to ill health. And it can make people very ill. But luckily, courts are now very receptive to people going in, talking about they've been bullied at work. And bullying at work can take all sorts of forms, from being ignored, you know, almost like being sent to Coventry. That's bullying. That's psychological bullying. There's all sorts. Of, it doesn't have to be somebody coming over and punching you. That's, that's, that's playground bullying. At work, it can be far more different, far, far more psychological. And uh, you have people on that. You just have to keep records of everything that's ever happened. If you feel that you're being bullied at work, you keep a record. And when the time is right... You take it to court. Because most companies don't want to go anywhere near court. Because the moment they're known as a company that authorises bullying, they're in big, big trouble. Uh, you've got to be confident. And also the things you must do as well, if, if, you, if you don't want to waste your life worrying, is deal with bills. The one thing we all do, and I've been as guilty as an ex-person, is a bill comes in and you put it there and you think, I'll pay that later. I'll pay that later. <laughs> and then later never comes. And then when you think you've got the money, all of a sudden you don't... 
You don't have the money, which is... And you also have to sort of uh, keep notes of all the things that make you worry throughout the whole week. There's a great piece in Express today. Uh, they've just lost their editor, actually. They've just changed their editor. He used to be the editor of the, uh, the Daily Star, and then he was the editor of the Express, and now he's left the, uh, the Express for some reason. Uh, Ellen Rivas has denied that Peter Andre is a rebound thing. She says, I'm so over Frank. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm forgetting myself here. We have no idea, Ellen, who you are. I do beg your pardon. I'm sorry, I'd, I'd like, to, like to remember who you are, but I can't. And uh, Callum Best celebrated his 30th birthday. Poor old Callum, still no job, but he, he had a cake which had a bloke reclining on a bed, and he had lap dancers and a bunch of dolly birds there. So that was good news, wasn't it? So, uh, you know, still old, still 30, still not actually serving any useful purpose in life, but he did have glamour model Sophie Reed there. Well, to be honest with you, I had no idea who Sophie Reed was, so I had to go onto the internet and find out if she was somebody important. And, you know, surprisingly, she wasn't important at all. So that was quite good news, because glamour models are like three a penny. Well, four a penny if you come from Leeds, but that's something completely different. Anyway, or five a penny if you come from Glasgow. Anyway, I'm back again with you tomorrow morning. Usual time, five. I know it seems early, but if you podcast the programme, it means you don't actually have to wake up for it, although I do like you there for the whole duration. So if you go to lbc.co.uk... You can learn how to podcast from as little as £2 a month. Your life will be changed. You can download everything on LBC, and there is enough to download. So when you go away on holiday, you can take your podcasts away. And as we now know, Lisa Snowden was on her modelling assignment, listening to podcasts of my programme, which is quite nice. So thank you for that. Nick and the team with you after the news at 7. Have a great day. Wrap up warm. Here's the business update now with Sam Pittis. Thank you, Steve. The FTSE will open after closing up 53 points at 